0: as grass plants grow uh, they grow up from the center for the most part and those center leaves will grow up and down the line they're going to fall over to the sides and new plants new uh, sprouts will come up from the center and uh, once those uh, leaves fall over to the side and they're not being cut anymore there's not that much growth occurring to them anymore uh, because most of the growth occurs in the center of the plant once you're cutting all new material, it would be okay to transfer that to the uh, compost uh, pile. But uh, you definitely don't want you know to go out and spray a fungicide in one week and go out there and cut your lawn and throw the clippings in the next week uh, because you're going to be defeating. It's going to take a long time for that uh, thing to uh, compost and break down. Will it happen eventually? Yeah, but it can take up to years for it to happen. Where well, it'll take up to a couple of years for it to happen, and you know it's a normal stance, but it can take up to four or five years if uh, you you know hit it up with a fungicide. <clears throat> Other things that will help a pile break down: earthworms and uh, leaf worms are both excellent to mix in. Actually, leaf worms are the best, not earthworms, not microlers. Uh, but uh by going out and getting yourself some leaf worms, throw them, mix them into the uh, pile. And this uh, really gives you two uh, things. One, the worms are going to be out there eating up the uh, decaying matter, pooping out nice, rich humus. And uh, two, you've got a constant source of uh, fishing worms right there at your hand, you know, nice and handy, so uh, you can go ahead and uh, you know get them that way things that you do not want to compost meat any bones uh fish bones can break down maybe a little bit of fish bones you can mix in or uh you know dead fish would be okay but definitely no mammal type meat or uh, poultry anything plastic i've seen people throw uh, diapers into their uh, compost piles thinking that it was going to uh, be good because, you know, hey, all that extra nitrogen. No, don't. It's disgusting. Don't do that. And also dog poop you don't want to mix in. Uh, Make sure you clean the dog poop up before you go mixing that into the uh, pile. Okay, we're going to have to take a break and take care of a little bit of business and uh, some weather, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a minute or two. Uh, we've got one caller on hold. Hopefully they'll wait because I think we'll have enough time to get back to them. We'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a couple of minutes. And we are back at the Planned Doctor Show. We've got one caller coming in and not much time left before we have to go to our news break, so we're going to jump right over to the uh, phone lines. Good morning. You're at the Plan Doctor Show. Who's this?
1: This is
0: Mary. Hi, Mary. How are you?
1: Oh, real good. What can uh, I do I for you? I have a question about... Uh... A uh, horse chestnut tree, I think it's a buckeye, it's got the brown
0: um, nuts okay.
1: on it. But anyway, I moved up about 10 years going on Alaska, and I threw a handful of the nuts out. And Apparently I got two trees for only about uh, two feet, one's two feet and one's three feet. Now mm-hmm. if I move, can I move those trees?
0: They're two feet and three feet tall? Yes. Yes, you can move those, no problem whatsoever. How far are you planning on moving?
1: Um, how far? Yeah. I'm moving maybe to Westby area.
0: Oh, okay. So if, I'm, you're not pulling i cross-country to Yeah, oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah
1: I'd like to move them to a different area.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, let's see, two feet and three feet tall. That's a little mm-hmm. bit too big to transfer to a pot. Uh, but what I would do in, this is a really easy process, though it does sound like it's long and involved, but it's not really. Go ahead and take yourself a good uh, shovel, one with a point to it. And okay. uh, you want to d- go out to uh, two- and three-foot trees. I would say go out at least, oh, a foot to a foot and a half away from the side of the tree and dig okay. straight down. And do this all the way around the tree. And you want to go okay. down about a foot, a foot and a half as well. So uh, yeah. once you do that, Go ahead and then start digging underneath the tree at the bottom and get yourself an old sheet or, you know, any, you could use burlap if you have some handy, but um, it's a great way of uh, getting rid of some old sheets that you might have laying around the house too. Fold it in half and put the folded edge down underneath the uh, tree when you get about halfway through. Then go to the other side. And dig that uh, underneath, you know, uh, to connect. Then reach Mm -hmm. underneath and pull the sheet all the way through. So now the sheet or the tree will be sitting on top of the sheet. Then bring up the corners of the sheet, uh, four corners, uh, opposite corners, tie them in a knot, uh, nice and tight. And that will hold the uh, soil nice and uh, firmly around the uh, root ball. And uh, you want to go ahead, I know it's going to add a little bit of weight to it, but you're going to want to go ahead and water it, too, before doing this. Okay. Because that will help it uh, stay together.
1: Okay? Yeah, if the nice soil is
0: really sandy. Yeah, then definitely water it. Uh, yeah. And that will uh, help it stay together. When you transplant it, make sure uh, it receives plenty of water until the ground freezes. Not until we have a frost because that can be much earlier, but until the ground freezes. And so I could
1: move at any time right now?
0: Yep, go ahead. Uh, you know, preferable okay. time, of course, would be in the fall. But, I mean, yeah. if you're moving now, hey, go for it. But as long okay. as you uh, keep it well watered, it should be fine.
1: Okay? Okay.
0: Thanks a lot. Okay, Mary, good luck with that, and uh, good luck on your move, too. Yeah, thank you. Take care. And that's going to take us to our news break, and we'll be right back here at uh, WYZM in just a few minutes. Uh, and uh, I did want to talk about the Cicada Killers out there today, and right now that we don't have any uh, phone calls coming in, it'd be a good time to do it. But if you do have a question, please go ahead and interrupt. Our number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, uh... You know, just about everybody's heard the cicadas outside. Uh, You might not realize it, but, you know, realize what you're hearing. But they're the things that make that high-pitched, shrilling noise. Uh, You hear it coming from the tops of the trees on the uh, hot days of the summer. And they're large black-and-white beetles or bugs, whatever they are. And uh, their songs are produced pretty much the same way that uh, crickets do theirs, but where crickets chirp. Cicadas are annoying, and uh, they come out with this high-pitched sound instead of a nice chirp-chirp. Now, the Cicada does have quite a few different enemies out there. That's a good thing. Uh, After all, they are a nice, big, juicy bug. But by far the coolest and scariest is the Cicada-killing wasp. Now, there are a couple of different types of uh, these critters across the country. And out here, and I highly recommend going to the Plant Doctor of Lacrosse Crosse uh, Facebook page because I got some really cool pictures of them up. Uh, they look like yellow jackets on steroids. I mean, these things here are anywhere from a half an inch to an inch and a half big. I mean, they are big bugs. And, uh that look just like a giant yellow jacket, the ones that we have in our area. Uh, The ones back east, though, were much more colorful. Uh, They had the same temperament and all as the ones out here, but the ones back east were black, and they had purple bodies with iridescent wings. They are a really gorgeous uh, bee to look at. Now, these bees or hornets are quite a bit different than most of their cousins. Most bees live in a colony or a hive, but the cicada killer, while they have colonies close together, live only with their mate. So it's only two bees per nest. And uh, what these guys do is they look for a nice lawn that they can uh, burrow down into. So, uh, of course, you're going to have to have, you know, loose soil, Uh, so a lot of times it's going to be a sandier lawn and they look for the hotter, drier areas to, uh, make their nests. And it's easy to see these nests out in the middle of the lawn. Uh, you'll get a, about a dinner plate, uh, size pile of sand, uh, out in the middle. And you'll have a little, uh, furrow right down the middle of it that leads up to the hole. Uh, and that little furrow is where they land and they, they're dragging cicadas. And to watch these things, it's amazing. First off, you don't need to be afraid of them though, because as big and nasty as they look, they're not mean. They are the gentle giants of the bee world. Uh, I have held them in my hand without been, being stung. Uh, I've picked them up with my finger and not had any issues whatsoever. I did get stung by one once, though, and that was my fault. I sat on it. It was in my uh, truck, and I didn't realize it uh, when I jumped up into the truck seat, and I sat right on it. And, yeah, the uh, size of their stinger, which is a gargantuan, proportionally affects the amount of pain that you receive, especially if you get it in the derriere like I did. (laughs) <laughs> i let out a howl no doubt but normally they're not going to bother you and they are so tame that i've mowed lawns where there were hundreds of nests and of course you know mowing the uh, lawn is going to uh, scare these uh bees up and out of the ground so they're going to be all buzzing around the air, just like you would if you know you disturbed a regular yellow jacket's nest. They're going to be all buzzing, you know, all over the place, and they won't bother you. You can keep on going, pretend that they're not even there. And it's scarier than heck to have a bee that big flying around you, and because you know what they can do. Uh, but nine times out of ten, they are not going to sting you. Now, uh, like I said, they uh, have these large nests. Uh, uh, they're about the size of a dinner plate across uh, the pile of sand on top of the fur, or little furrow leading back to their hole. Now, what's really cool, and if you happen to get one of these uh, nests or more than one, is sit out there, grab yourself a nice uh, cool beverage, lawn chair, and sit out there on a hot summer day. And you'll start hearing the cicadas singing up in the trees. And uh, watch, because the bees will come up out of their uh, burrow. And they'll sit there waiting until they hear it, too. And then they hone in on the cicada, and they will take off after it. And what they do is they sting it, which paralyzes the uh, cicada. And then these bees, and if you see the cicada, you know, they're about the size of a man's thumb. Uh, they're no small insect whatsoever. These uh, bees will actually carry them back down from the tree flying to their nest. They'll land, drag it down, and what they do is they uh, sting it or they uh, lay their eggs inside of it. And that way there as the eggs hatch, the pupa have a source of something to eat. And, uh, you know, they continue on uh, the process next year. Now, they're not out there all season long. So it's not something that you really, really have to worry about all that much. I know a lot of people get freaked out about them. And no matter how much I try to calm them down and say, look, you don't have to kill these things, they still want them dead. So there are ways of knocking them out. And I will tell you how to do it. But. Please, give them a chance. They're not going to hurt anything. And uh, the worst thing about them is is these dinner patch-sized patches of sand that they bring up uh, when they make their dens. Uh, That can make your lawns look a little bit unsightly. But if you can live with that, hey, let them be. But uh, the best way to take care of uh, these critters is with a can of you know the same stuff that you use on uh, regular bees. Uh, Black flag uh, raid has one. Uh, Shoe fly has one. Uh, the uh, bee hornet wasp killer. Uh, you know stuff that shoots out like twenty feet, and simply aim the can uh, to shoot it right down to burrow. Problem solved. No more bee. But seriously, you don't need to do it. Uh, these, I don't know if I would call them a beneficial insect, but uh, I guess they would be in a, a really high uh, locust uh, season, a uh, high population locust season. It would be a very beneficial insect. But uh, they're not anything that's hurting anything else out there either. So I'd leave them be personally. But uh, also getting back, uh, we were going to talk about doing uh, composting today. And that's because a large part of the area has really crappy, poor soil. And a great way of remedying remedying, uh, this problem would be by adding uh, some organic material to the soil. And, you know, you just can't take leaves and dump them out in your lawn and expect it to do any good uh, the, the leaves have to rot and break down first and that's called compost uh, also uh, well yeah, the dictionary definition of compost would be a mixture that consists of decayed organic uh, matter uh, that's used for fertilizing and conditioning the land and composting has been going on since the beginning of time Uh, Each year, Mother Nature produces, uh, you know, leaves in the spring. And in the autumn months, the leaves fall down from the trees. And the annual plants die back. And they begin the process of composting. It happens in nature out in the woods. Uh, You just don't see it happening. And, you know, this uh, plant matter decays over time. And this is composting in its most basic form. But, you know, today with asphalt and steel, you know, covering the earth's surface, this cycle has been altered. So as a gardener, you can go ahead and continue it though by, uh, you know, doing your own compost pile. Now, some people like to do piles. Some people like to do bins or containers. It's all up to you. And uh, the only thing that has... Any real bearing on it is how much compost are you wanting to make and uh, how far away from the house you can put it. I will not lie to you, composting stinks, especially when you start adding in vegetable matter into it. Uh, It is not a pleasant smell. It smells like rotting vegetable matter. So it's not something you want right outside your kitchen window. Uh, you want to go ahead and take the stuff and put it, you know, to the side of your prop property, the edge of your property, up, way in the back or something like that. Uh, once it turns into compost, you can go ahead and move it back down around your house, and usually by then the smell has, uh, you know, disappeared from it. But you don't need anything uh, fancy. Uh, you don't need one of these spinning composting bins. Uh, that they sell in the market Uh some of the most basic and best compost things that I've seen is uh, made up with scrap pallets uh, people have taken uh, let's see it would be four pallets one for the bottom one for the back and two for the sides and they go ahead and nail them together or screw them or you know however you want to attach them together And then you just uh, start putting your leaves in there. And it's best to, uh, you know, you could put in leaves, uh, grass, you know, whatever have you. Uh, Any organic matter there is. If you're going to put in twigs, very tiny twigs are okay. Oh, I would not really plan on trying to compost anything thicker than a pencil, though. Uh, That's just going to take too long. And it's going to create, you know, a really rough uh, compost. But what you, the key thing is is you want to do it in layers, uh, just like lasagna. And so you want to have a layer of leaves, then maybe a layer of grass clippings, then go ahead and dump down your uh, some your uh, leftover vegetables and you know stuff from your garden and it doesn't have to be kept in layers because you're actually going to be uh taking a pitchfork out to it and mixing it all up and uh you need to keep doing this it takes about a good year to two years for it to go from leaves and you know its original uh state into good dark humus now Are there things that you don't want to compost? And this is where most of my questions uh, that I've had come up. uh, You know, can you compost this? Can you compost that? And the best way to answer that is if it grows, you can compost it as long as it's not too thick. So, you know, pretty much anything in the plant world you can compost. Things that you want to stay away from. Poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac, uh, castor. Plants, uh, anything that's poisonous, of course. Uh, what plants wouldn't I include in composting? Acolius, I would not mix into composting. Uh, burning nettles, I would not mix into composting. Uh, that's really about it as far as plant material goes, that I wouldn't mix into it. It is fine to mix your lawn clippings in. Is it okay to put your lawn clippings in after you fertilize the lawn? Yes. Is it fine to put it in after you put down a weed control? No. Is it fine to put down or mix in after you add insecticide? No. Is it okay to put it down, mix lawn clippings in after you add a fungicide to your lawn? Without a doubt, no, stay away from it like the plague. Because what If you eliminate uh, weeds, eliminate bugs, and eliminate fungus, you're eliminating the plant's process of rotting because it's all those three things go into effect to help the plants rot. Uh, You've got little micro uh, plants growing, which will help break down the material. Uh, You've got your insects up out there chewing and eating and pooping out humus. That's basically what they do and uh fungus uh you know the act of it rotting and getting moldy is something that you want to encourage not discourage so you don't want to definitely don't want to go adding any fungicide to the uh, material that would be a big big mistake uh now how long do you have to wait until you know after you put down a fungicide or any of the other uh products Fertilizer, fine, you can do it the next day. That's not an issue. Weed control, I would wait at least a week or after a good heavy rainstorm uh, that will wash the material off the uh, leaves. That would be okay. Insecticide, it's really going to depend on the insecticide. What I would do is read the label and see how long the uh, insecticide remains active, you know, and it has a residual effect to it. And then go a little bit after that. Uh, That way there you're not going to be, you know, transferring any of the insecticide into your uh, fungus pile or or your compost pile. A fungicide. Fungicides are the worst uh, because they are made to glue themselves to the uh, leaf matter of the lawn and stay there for a long period of time. You basically have to grow it out before you can uh, put it down or mix it into a compost pile. And uh, as when you spray, as grass plants grow, uh, they grow up from the center for the most part. And those center leaves will grow up And down the line, they're going to fall over to the sides and new plants, new uh, sprouts will come up in the center. And uh, once those uh, leaves fall over to the side and they're not being cut anymore, there's not that much growth occurring to them anymore uh, because most of the growth occurs in the center of the plant. Once you're cutting all new material, it would be okay to transfer that to the uh, compost uh, pile. But, uh you definitely don't want you know to go out and spray a fungicide in one week and go out there and cut your lawn and throw the clippings in the next week uh because you're going to be defeating it's going to take a long time for that uh thing to uh compost and break down. Will it happen eventually, yeah, but it can take up to years for it to happen where well it'll take up to a couple of years for it to happen, and you know it's normal stance. But it can take up to four or five years if uh, you, you know, hit it up with a fungicide. <clears throat> Other things that will help a pile break down. Earthworms and uh, leafworms are both excellent to mix in. Actually, leafworms are the best, not earthworms, not rollers. Uh, but uh, by going out and getting yourself some leafworms, throw them, mix them into the uh, pile. And this uh, really gives you two uh, things. One, the worms are going to be out there eating up the uh, decaying matter, pooping out nice, rich humus. And uh, two, you've got a constant source of uh, fishing worms right there at your hand, you know, nice and handy. So uh, you can go ahead and, uh, you know, get them that way. Things that you do not want to compost. Meat. Any bones. Bones. Uh, Fish bones can break down maybe a little bit of fish bones you can mix in or, uh, you know, dead fish would be okay. But definitely no mammal type meat or uh, poultry. Anything plastic. I've seen people throw uh, diapers into their uh, compost piles thinking that it was going to uh, be good because, you know, hey, all that extra nitrogen. No, don't. It's disgusting. Don't do that. And also dog poop you don't want to mix in. Uh, Make sure you clean the dog poop up before you go mixing that into the pile. Okay, we're going to have to take a break and take care of a little bit of business and uh, some weather. But we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a minute or two. Uh, We've got one caller on hold. Hopefully they'll wait because I think we'll have enough time to get back to them. We'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a couple of minutes. Okay, uh, we've got one more caller and about five minutes left of the show, so we're going to go right back to the phone lines. Good morning, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who is this?
1: Good morning, this is Diana.
0: Hi, Diana, how are you? I'm great. What can I do well, for you? Well,
1: my Japanese beetles are attacking my flowers. Ah. I've been picking them up. I have some all-seasons uh, spray oil or whatever. I sprayed it on just a few of the bugs. It didn't seem to really do anything. Someone else said, uh, a grub killer in the spring and summer, tell me what to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, grub killer. Uh, Yes, uh, when the Japanese beetles are in their grub stage, that's the best way to take it out, prevention. Uh, But, unfortunately, they can fly in from other areas, too, very honestly. So, uh, uh, take care of the ones in your lawn, without a doubt. Uh, the best way of doing it is, uh, with, uh, Merit, uh, which, or i met a clover. It is the active ingredient and that's in, uh, products like Merit or Grubex, the grub preventers that you can put down, uh, as soon as the grass starts actively growing in the spring and, uh, you water it in nice and heavily and it m- be- makes the plant inedible to the grubs. Uh, it doesn't really bother the other insects because they have to eat the grass plant in order for it to get into their systems. They can swim in this stuff, and it's not going to hurt them. So uh, that is the prevention. Now, as far as the Japanese beetles themselves go, uh, the be- I'd find about the best spray to use uh, with residual uh, is Seven S E V I N. And that's a good one because, uh, you can use it on your vegetables as well. The drawback of using seven is it has a whitish chalky kind of residue to it. So it's going to lay on the leaves and which is what you want because you don't want to wash right off. Uh, you want the protection to stay there, but unfortunately it's visible protection. So you're going to have to deal with that. Uh... You can also treat the uh, bush or uh, shrubs with merit, the same thing that you use for uh, killing, the same active ingredient that you would use for uh, treating your lawn, but it's in a different formulation. This you would uh, mix up and uh, water the plant with it. And it will go down into the plant and come up inside the plant itself, making the plant inedible to the Japanese beetles, which worked out quite well. Marriage. How are you spelling that? Same as a uh, word, you know, merit badge. M E R I T. Okay. Now, right. uh, I'm going to have to look up this word one of these days because I always wind up spelling it at least once or twice a show. I'midocloprid is the active ingredient. mid and I have to write it down every time I do this. I'mid, mid clo, per, id. It's a bunch of I's. I-M-I-D-I-C-L-O-P-I-R-I-D. Okay. Okay. And if that isn't right, it'll at least get you in the ballpark. (laughs) You'll recognize it on the packaging. Uh, Yes, and
1: just follow the directions on the container.
0: Exactly. And that would make your plants themselves, uh, you know, and edible to the Japanese beetle. If you go the bag of bugs, which do work, if you've got decent sized property, make sure you do it far away from the plants that you're trying to protect because bag of bugs work so well, they attract the bugs in from miles away. So you don't want it to have it right next to your uh, plants that you're protecting. You want it to be on the far back side of your property somewhere. Okay?
1: Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: You're quite welcome. And that's going to close out the show for today.